And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. Who's that strange-looking man behind you? That's Carl. I'm at him at the laundry, man. Detective Agency. Sam, sweetheart. I don't know what to do, Rabbi. Every night he listens to the radio. I can't keep him away. The Lone Ranger, uh, the Shadow, the Master Avenger. Uh, this is not good. It tends to induce bad values, false dreams, lazy habits. Want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This hour on Hollywood 360 will conclude the Abbott and Costello show from 1945. Then it's part two of our ten-part mystery on Adventures by Morse from 1946. By my side is my co-host, Lisa Wolf. What's up, Lisa? Hey, Carl. We got Mike Costello over here, too. Hello. Yes, Hello. I see you. My team here on Hollywood 360. All right. Well, last time we were uh, just uh, belly laughing with Abbott and Costello. So why not go back and tune into the conclusion? That's what I always say. Right? If you say so, I then mean, people I, I are, say so. They're waiting with bated breath, of anxiously course. waiting to hear the conclusion. Whatever you So say. let's go back to October 4th, 1945 for the Abbott and Costello Show. Well, here we are, Costello. Main gate to Universal Studios. Just think, in a few minutes, thanks to you, I'll be a star. Lena, don't you think we ought to come back some other day to gate's locked? <laughs> There's other people getting in. Look, there goes Charles Lawton. Open the gate for Mr. Lawton, Mike. Look, there goes Charles Boyer. Open the gate for Mr. Boyer, Mike. Go on, Costello, you own the place. Tell him to open the gate for you. Good morning, sir. I'm Lou Costello. Climb over, you bum. (laughs) Costello, did you hear what he said? Why, he's treating you like a dog. Speak up. (laughs) Talk to the man. Show him you're the boss. Okay. Hey, you. Did you tell me to climb over that gate? Yeah, what about it? Would you mind giving me a boost? <laughs> I'm beginning to think you're a phony, Costello. If you don't get me a starring part in this studio, I'm going to tell your mother just what really happened the night you bought me that 50-cent bag of gumdrops. No, Lena, not that. Anything but that. Please don't tell her that. Your mother wouldn't like that, would she? No. She thinks those gumdrops only cost me a dime. <laughs> Lena, why don't you give up this idea of being a movie star? And Hollywood is too rough and tough for a place for a girl like you. Go back to Brooklyn. They can use a good third baseman. <laughs> Listen, egghead, if you don't get me that starring part, I'm going to bend your nose down till it touches your knee. I'll stick hat pins in your eyeballs. Then I'll get a hot iron and solder your ears together. <laughs> and if that doesn't work, I'll torture you. <laughs> Lena, I was only kidding. Come on in here. We'll see my director friend, Gregory Ratbiscuit. He'll do anything for a friend of mine. There's Mr. Ratbiscuit's secretary. Hey, you. Well, what is it? Uh... <laughs> I said, what is it? I give up. What is it? <laughs> Boy, tell Mr. Ratbiscuit that Lucas Costello has a friend out here that he wants to star in pictures. Well, you'll just have to wait. 
Mr. Lawton is in there now trying to get a friend of his in pictures. So, Mr. Lawton, you've got a friend that you want to get in pictures, eh? Everybody's got friends, nothing but friends. What am I running here, an old friend's home? I'll show you what I think of you and your friends. Now, get up! Not me. I haven't got a friend in the world. Everybody hates me. I'm all alone. What about this young woman? Oh, I never saw her before in all my life. Mm, what a beautiful creature. What a gorgeous specimen of poultry. Poultry. Spring is busting out all over. Come, pretty one. Come into my office. I want to discuss your possibilities. Oh, Mr. Costello, why did you run off without me? Well, what have you done with Lena? She's been in the office with Mr. Rat Biscuit. Huh? Whew, that must have been a old boy. <laughs> She's been in there since three o'clock, Abbott. I don't know what to do. Oh, yeah, that must dumb. be a terrific audition. Now, wait a minute. <laughs> you know Rat Biscuit is a ladies' man. Oh, do you want him to steal your girl? Go in there and get Lena. I'm afraid, Abbott. That biscuit was in a terrible temper. I think he's mad at me. You coward, go in there and get Lena. Okay. Well, Costello, what happened? Oh, Lena's all right, Abbott. She's in there. And you know what, Abbott? That rat biscuit is a swell fella. What do you mean? He ain't mad at me anymore. Look, he even gave me a quarter. He gave you a quarter? What for? Well, he wants me to go downtown and get him. A bag of gumdrops? Uh, get him off! Ah! Ah! The Abbott and Costello Show will be back at this very same time next week. Don't miss it. This is Ken Niles in Hollywood wishing you all a pleasant. Good night. This is the National Broadcasting Company. And that's the Abbott and Costello Show, October 4th, 1945. Lou promises his girlfriend a job at NBC. Hope you enjoyed that. When we come back from break, it's part two of The Cobra King Strikes Back on Adventures by Morse. Stick around. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Welcome back. I'm Carl Amari. I have a very good friend of mine in the studio live with us. He is Sam Parzo, and he has a company called Max Drive Auto. And I want to talk to Sam because, Sam, I invited you to be on the show. I want everyone listening to know about Max Drive Auto because it's where I buy my cars. Whether you want to buy a Ferrari to a Ford You can find it at Max Drive Auto, and uh, I wanted you on the show to talk about your company. What's up, Sam? How are you? I'm great, Carl. Thanks for having me. And uh, Max Drive is based in Maryland. That we are. And you've been in business how long? We have the uh, retail location that's been open a year, but we've been uh, sourcing our vehicles and selling them to franchise dealers for about 18 years now. Tell us about the company, why it's different from other car dealerships. Uh, a big reason why I think that we're different is we're family-owned, family-operated. 
and uh, our attention to detail and the quality of our vehicles and and how we uh, how we source them is uh, it, it, I just think it's second to none, Carl. Well, I, I I agree because you know what? Listen, I just bought a car from Sam's company and I could not be happier. And I looked all over the internet. I looked at probably a hundred different dealerships for. The car I wanted, and not only did you have it, but you had the lowest price. Why is it? Why are your prices lower than pretty much any other car that I've ever looked for? The reason why we're different, Carl, and how we can price our cars is we pay attention to the market. And that uh, we really do put people before profits, and we and we operate on a velocity model. So my model is I want to sell hundreds of cars a month. Yeah, now, if someone's listening in Los Angeles, it doesn't matter that, uh, that your company, Sam, is in Maryland because you're shipping cars really all over the United States, in fact, all over the world, right? Absolutely. Lisa? No, that's what I was going to say. Um, there's a big, that's a new thing now. We've got a big internet business for cars. And I think it gives the buyer a lot more information. You can go on the internet, you can learn a little bit more, a lot more, do your research, and then come to uh, Sam at uh, Max Drive Auto. Absolutely. How does the shipping work? Well, we work with a bunch of different shippers that are nationwide. Um, and, and we'll basically source that company based on the expectations of the buyer. And we'll look out and say, hey, you know, when do you need the car by? This is when they can get it there. Do we need closed, you know, an enclosed trailer? Do we need an open trailer? How do, how do you want it there? And, uh, and we'll set it up and, and we'll actually negotiate with them on your behalf and, and we get that all handled. And- so if somebody's looking for a car, is this the kind of deal where I know a specific car that I want and I come to you and say, hey, do you have the Lincoln MKX 2018 because I want that in black and I I want to buy it from you? Or is this a kind of thing where you match people up with a car that might be the right car for them? We can do it always. I mean, they can, you know, any one of the listeners can go to our website. They can look and see what we have. At any given time, we're running right about 100 cars online at all times. Uh, but we have about 50, 60 that are always in process. Right. So with those 50 or 60, obviously, they're not going to see those online. So if you go to the website, you don't see what you're looking for. Call in, you know, ask for Dave, and, uh, you know, he's our GM. He, he's going to be happy to help you. What if I want to talk to Sam, though? If you want to talk to Sam, <laughs> Sam's there uh, a couple days a week. He's got a full staff of people over no, there. No, I know. And I, I noticed there's some discounts and specials. How does that work? Absolutely. If you go to our uh, our specials page on our, on our webpage. Because I want a really special one. Well, it, we're, we're like I said, we're already pricing to the market. Lisa's as, very picky. I love it. Yeah, so. For the picky Carl, if we, if we could sell Carl a car, yeah. you know. That's oh my absolutely Listen, right. Listen, I have bought so many cars in my lifetime. I mean, I'm a car lunatic. So tell us about your experience. How did well, you, how did you find, you know, car, Max Drive Auto and well, how did you come up to Sam? I gotta tell you, I have been looking for a particular car. Okay. For, I would say six months, over six months. And I found the car at different dealerships, but it was very expensive. And I found the exact car I wanted. And in fact, a nicer version of ones I've seen for a lot less money. And didn't you see a video online of your car? Yeah. Well, Sam took a video of the car for me. He showed me the car. And I got to tell you, and I told you this when I got the car, Sam, it way surpassed, way surpassed my expectation of the car. I was so excited that I said, Sam, you have to come on my show. I want my listeners 
to to know who you are, who the company is, what the company is all about, uh, your experience, how long you've been in business, because combined with everyone working there, it's over 60 years of experience, and they're going to find you the car you want, but most importantly, they're going to treat you like family because they are family owned and operated. And I felt, and you know, and I really felt like you treated me like family, and I really, really mean that. That's the goal. I mean, we want our customers to come in, and we want them to come in as clients, as customers, and leave as family. I mean, we we stand behind our cars. Uh, we want to provide a, a quality product. So, and how do we know that it will be a top quality car if we come to you? How do you well? Because we're based in Maryland, every car has to go through a Maryland state inspection. So that won't mean anything to you know. That won't mean everything to people across the country. But here's what it means: is a very rigorous inspection. And in that inspection, I actually have an, a checklist that's over and above Maryland state inspection. So based on the way that I want my cars processed, right. is anything that's a wear and tear item under 50%, that's brakes, your rotors. Obviously, we're changing oil on every car, windshield wipers, air filters. We're checking all of these things, and we're replacing them if they're under 50%. The last thing we want is our client to come back in after you know a first oil change and, and go, why do I need brakes? Well, here's the here's the good and bad. You do such a great job. That's great, but here's the bad. You're stuck with me now. I love it. You are stuck with me, Sam, because I'm buying my cars at Max Drive Auto. And by the way, Max is spelled with two X's. Yeah. You can go to the website, Max with two X's. That's Max with two X's, MaxDriveAuto.com, or call 443-410-4006. That's 443-410-4006. But probably the easiest way to get to Max Drive Auto's website, if you forget the URL, max2xsdriveauto.com, just go to our website, hollywood360radio.com, scroll down, there's a banner for Max Drive Auto, and click, and you'll be right on their website. All right, Sam, uh, it's great to have you on the show, my friend. I can't tell you how happy I am. Thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity. I'm humbled. And uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's our pleasure. Keep up the great work. Truly, folks, uh, Sam is my guy. He's where I buy my cars, Max Drive Auto. And you should, too. You will be absolutely thrilled with his company, Max, with two X's, driveauto.com. Once again, the phone number, 443-410-4006. Sam, great to see you. Thank you so much. I love my car. Thank you. Well, last week, Lisa, I'm sure you remember this. It was only a week ago. We listened to part one of the Cobra King Strikes Back. This is a 10-part adventure. And we're going to listen to part two now from April 28, 1946. This is called Something About the Hooded Snake. Here's part two of Adventures by Morse. Adventures by Morse. Carlton E. Morse presents The Cobra King Strikes Back Featuring Captain Friday If you like high adventure, come with me If you like the stealth of intrigue, come with me If you like blood and thunder Come with me Two groups of people on strangely dissimilar projects Have set out from San Francisco for French Indochina By chance, they took passage on the same steamship. One party was headed by Dr. Howard Carter, archaeologist, scientist, explorer. Let him tell about his party. It is my object on this expedition to drive deep into Cambodia and the north-central part of French Indochina 
in search of a lost city, a sister city of the famous Angkor. In my party, I have Professor LeBrun, medical advisor, my assistant archaeologist, Perry Mills, and my daughter, Celia, who is acting as my secretary and historian for the trip. Oh, yes, likewise with us is a young Khmer student, Toquan. Strangely, on the steamship, we met an old friend, Captain Bart Friday. But let Captain Friday speak for himself. Yes, my right-hand man, Skip Turner, my secretary, Patricia Young, and I are doing a bit of a job for the French government for a change. We're transferring an international prisoner, a citizen of French Indochina, from Hawaii back to Saigon, French capital of Cochin, China. By coincidence, the prisoner, Fen Lo, is of the same race as Taquan, the student in Dr. Carter's party. Yes, Captain Friday was returning the prisoner, but one night at sea, Fen Lo escaped. In the search that followed, Celia's terrified voice was heard. The searching party found her safe, but with a strange, horrifying story. Last night, the steamship landed its passengers. Dr. Carter's party is staying at the Hotel des Douanes. And now, on this hot bake oven morning, the members are seated at an outdoor sidewalk table under the arches that mark the hotel's entrance. My, my, Celia. What a complexion. <laughs> I was never so pink in my life, Professor Lebrun. Oh, it's quite apparent that some young man has been whispering in your ear. Don't be absurd. It's the heat. Drink your cool mixture there and you'll feel better. Oh, and then I'll perspire, Father. Perspiration, my dear, is all that saves white people out in this country. Daquan, I actually hate you. You look so cool and comfortable. You do not need to envy anyone, Miss Celia. There you are, Celia. <laughs> Daquan always says the nicest things, and I actually think he means them. Where's Perry, Father? Well, I sent him over to the Hotel du Commandant de la Marine, where Captain Friday and his party are staying. You bring them here? Yes, Taquan. I want to get this business of Fen Lo's disappearance settled, so that we can start north into the interior of Cambodia at once. But I know nothing, Doctor. You mean about the disappearance of Captain Friday's Modian prisoner? Yes. He's thoroughly convinced that Taquan holds the key to the mystery. If he so desires, he can hold up our expedition until the matter is solved. Oh, I doubt whether he'd do that. Well, I want the thing thrashed out. I want Taquan to leave Saigon with a clean slate. Otherwise, we're liable to meet trouble everywhere. We'll have enough difficulties without that. Oh, listen. What's that, Taquan? The high priests are passing through with their pony train. Pony train? Yes. Small Cochin China ponies on which they carry their supplies for the monasteries. Oh, but the, the bells. The bells are fastened to the ponies' necks. Oh, look. Here they come. They will pass this way. <laughs> oh, Dad. Look at the little shaggy ponies. <laughs> they carry packs large enough for camels. Hmm? Here they come. Let's break from Adventures by Morris. More after these words. back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Now back to Adventures by Morse. Oh, golly, they were cute. And the monks in their black habits and their faces covered like something out of a thousand and one nights. They move right along in the heat of the day. <laughs> yes, the only thing in the whole country showing any animation. 
hardly a creature moving on the streets. Well, here comes Captain Friday's party. Uh-huh. Skip Turner and Patricia. Captain Friday does all right for himself in the way of secretary. Oh, I'm crazy about her. On the later part of the voyage over, I noticed Perry Mills seemed to feel the same way. Oh? Why shouldn't he? You and Patricia seem to have grown very fond of each other. Oh, yes. I wish you were going into the interior with us. So you found the energy to walk out in this sizzling heat, Patricia. <laughs> I've got a slave driver for a boss. Where he goes, it's expected I tag along. <laughs> Morning, Miss Carter. Doctor? Hi, Professor LeBron. Oh, Skip Donna in pith helmet and white ducks. <laughs> That's me. That's what the ladies ordered. What about something cool to drink? Oh, Definitely. I'd like something with lime or mint in it. Oh, let me get the drinks for the crowd. We have to go to the bar at this hour. Oh, never mind then. Of course, everybody wants something. I'll take Skip along for company. I'm your man. Well, come along. Oh, by the way, Dr. Carter, may I borrow Taquan in about a half hour? Yes, yes, of course. I've got a star sapphire spotted in a shop down the street. Uh, I like the stone, but uh, not the price. I thought perhaps Taquan could talk his fellow countrymen into being more reasonable. Will you do that for the professor, Taquan? With pleasure. Oh, good. Oh, come along, Skip. We'll get the drinks. Yes, sir. I saw something tall and pink and frothy. I think I'll order a quart of it. And Captain Friday, I want this matter cleared up once and for all. I intend taking Taquan with me into the interior, so if you have any charges to file against him, will you please discuss them with me here and now and see if we can't come to some understanding? Once a thing gets into the hands of the French government out here, there'll be no end of red tape. No, Dr. Carter, I have no charges to file against Taquan. I know in my own heart that he had something to do with the release of Fen Lo, my prisoner. But I have no proof. None whatever. Then you don't intend taking any action that will hold up my expedition? I intend keeping Taquan under observation. Dr. Carter, will you permit me to ask Taquan one question? Why, certainly. It's his privilege to answer or not. Taquan. Yes? Taquan, is Fenlo dead? Ah, uh, Miss Celia has told you... Never mind what Miss Celia told me. I'm asking you. Is Fenlo dead? Captain Friday, I cannot answer that. Won't you, mean? No, I, I, I cannot. Why not? For the same reason you cannot. I do not know. Miss Carter. Yes, Captain Friday? Miss Carter, will you go over your whole story again for me? You mean the night your prisoner escaped on the ship? Yes, please. Well, it was stuffy in my cabin, and I wasn't a bit sleepy, so pretty soon I slipped out of my room and down on the lower deck where I'd found a nice little corner out of the breeze and still could be quite close to the rail. Yes, yes. Well, I, I was in a shadow and awfully comfortable. Anyway, I hadn't been there very long when I, when I must have dropped off to sleep. <laughs> you know how it is with the throbbing of the engines and the swishing of the water. Mm. And then what happened? Well, the next thing I knew, I was wide awake. There was a dark figure standing by the rail, almost in front of me, not ten feet away. And he was making the most blood-curdling wail. The Khmer death chant. Yes, Dad. But he stopped for a moment, and it was very still. Then he began again, and suddenly I saw the blade of his knife in his hand. Just a flash of it in the moonlight as he raised it and struck himself with it. Are you certain he plunged it into himself? Oh, he must have. His, his knees sagged, and he had to hold himself up. That was when I screamed. Yes. Now, think very carefully. What happened after that? Well, he, he crawled up on the rail, and then for the first time, I, I noticed there was something lying on the deck, a, a duffel bag or something. He pulled it up after him, onto the rail. Was it tied to him? Oh, there was a rope on it, but I couldn't be sure whether it was fastened to him. 
Did it seem very heavy? Well, it must have been. He had an awful time getting it up. And then both he and the bag plunged over the side. Is that it? Yes, sir. Just as Father and Perry ran down the deck. Here come drinks for everybody. Where's Professor LeBrun? We met Perry Mills, and the two of them went down to take another gander at that star sapphire. All right, pick your drink. There's them that likes the air's frosted, and there's them that likes some iced. Oh, Skip, you shouldn't have brought any more. I haven't finished this one. Keep it. You'll need another and another and another to keep the little red devils away. Here you are, Captain. Oh, which one for me? Why, both of them. A green one and a yellow one. <laughs> Thanks for nothing. Taquan. Yes? Taquan, would you have any objections in assisting a friend to commit suicide? Uh, if it was his will, no. Sure you wouldn't. I know you guys. You wouldn't have any objection to doing the job yourself, either, if you thought you could get away with it, would you? It would depend most certainly upon the circumstances, Mr. Skip. <laughs> There's sure a lot of queer setups in this man's country. Have you felt it too, Skip? Felt it? I've seen it. Look out there in the street. All them kids practically as raw as the day they was born. <laughs> well, well, but that doesn't mean that they're peculiar, Skip. That's just a custom. You know, after all, man suits his character, his customs, and his mannerisms to his environment. Well, that's okay with me. They could do all that and still keep the shirts on, couldn't they? <laughs> now, seriously, though, there is a strange atmosphere hanging over Saigon. Something secretive, something smoldering. And I'm not just talking about the mysterious East. It isn't the port of Saigon alone, Patricia. It's the whole of Cambodia, a veil of uncertainty, the sense of danger. How exciting. What kind of danger, Dr. Carter? Well, don't you remember me telling you aboard ship how legend has woven a strange story about this land? How it's supposed that hundreds of years ago some strange force visited French Indochina and drove all the inhabitants from the great cities, wiped the cultivated lands of northern Cambodia free of civilization, and then the jungles engulfed everything, everything that had been built by man. And you mean to say that that strange, same force still hangs over this part of the world? When you say something, do you mean the supernatural, Father? It's hard for an Occidental to say, Celia. There are strange, easty forces at work here, beyond our grasp or understanding. Or mostly imagination, isn't it, Doctor? Wouldn't it be glorious to go with Dr. Carter's party? Couldn't we go? Hey, couldn't you arrange it, boss? We are going. Boss? Hey, are you kidding, Captain? We're going with Dr. Carter. If doubling the size of his party won't be too much inconvenience. But, but Captain Friday, why on earth do you want to go into the interior of Cambodia? Yeah, what's the idea, Chief? <laughs> if I want to scramble through the brush, I'd rather go back to San Francisco and climb Mount Tamil Pius. <laughs> it's safer. <laughs> Shame on you, Skip. I thought you were a fire eater. <laughs> mm -mm. Sword swallowing's my specialty. <laughs> no, Carter, I'm serious. Well, Captain, this is most astonishing. I... Taquan, what's wrong? No. What's the matter? No. They must not go. Wait, what do you mean? I take you. I guide you. Many strange places. These others, they, they, they must not go. Hmm. Don't want me along, huh? Well, it's just too bad, Taquan, because I'm going. It is for your own good, I warn you. Now. Yeah? You mean we're sticking our necks out if we go? I cannot be responsible. Hey, Captain. I think I would like to go along on this trip. Sounds interesting. It's all settled. Dr. Carter... I'll stand our share of the expedition expenses. I'll guarantee that there'll be no interference with your scientific work. Why, under those conditions, I'd be delighted to have you. Patricia, did you hear that? You're going along. It's wonderful. Captain Friday, I'm your secretary for life. Talk one. Where are you going? I am to meet Professor Lebrun and Mr. Perry. But why right at this moment? Oh, they have gone to jewelry shop. It, it is better I should be present... You please excuse my departure. Is it all right, Captain Friday? Yes, let him go. Very well. 
We'll expect you back for lunch. Yes. One always return that feeding hour. Huh. You notice the way that bird looks at you? I think he has interesting eyes. Yeah, the eyes of a fanatic. Taquan would as soon slit your throat as look at you. In the courtyard of the typical Saigon Hotel on the coast of French Indochina sit Captain Friday, his right-hand man Skip Turner, and the famed archaeologist Dr. Howard Carter. Outside the terrace, the sun is blazing and smoldering. Within the cool shade, Captain Friday is unfolding a plot of intrigue. Dr. Carter, there's something very, very peculiar going on in Cambodia at the present time. You've seen something? Well, to begin with, the French authorities almost went down on their knees to me this morning, begging me to accompany your party. Well, that's strange. Hey, you mean we've got to be armed guard? No. At least I don't think there's danger for your party, Dr. Carter. There's something else. If it was dangerous, they'd simply forbid you to go north. Talquan seemed frightened at the idea of you joining our party, Captain. Yes, I think I know why. I don't believe Fenlo committed suicide on the ship. I think he's reached Cochin, China, and is hiding out, awaiting an opportunity to connect with Taquan again. Why do you think that, Captain? Well, if Fenlo is alive and a friend of Taquan, it would explain why Taquan wouldn't want me on the trip. Oh, sure. He knows we'd nab him and turn him into the French government. Oh, here come the gals. Oh, this is much more fun. And besides that, we'll have to get some clothes suitable for the trip. Hey, don't you ever talk about nothing but clothes? Oh, I've already got mine, Patricia. Dad gave me a whole list of things before we left San Francisco. Would you go sit down? No, thank you, Dr. Carter. I'm going to look over Celia's outfits for the trip. We'll need a lot of things to go into the interior. You hear that, Captain? <laughs> I was afraid of that. Father, I'm going to stay with Patricia at her hotel tonight. There's so many details to discuss. Do you mind? Mm, not at all, my dear. I hope the budget will provide proper traveling equipment, boss. I think we'll manage. I see where this trip's going to cost you money, Captain. <laughs> Goodbye. We'll Bye. see you later. Bye, folks. <laughs> uh, this is Patricia's first big adventure. Well, here now, Dr. Carter. You and Skip draw your chairs up. I want to talk to you. Mm-hmm. Just as I thought. Just as you thought about what? I knew you had something up your sleeve all along. Well, I have. You'd better keep it up yours, too. Dr. Carter, how important is the seven-headed cobra in the lives of the people of Cambodia? Why, why, it's the most sacred emblem in existence. It represents a supreme being himself to these people. Did you ever hear of the emerald seven-headed cobra coiled on a base of pure gold? The sacred cobra of Topram. What if it were stolen from the country? Stolen? Why, what are you talking about, man? The Topram cobra has been lost for centuries. Its existence is entirely legendary. But supposing its existence were known to be fact, that its whereabouts were surmised, what would that mean? Is that the truth? Are you talking facts? Now, wait a moment. Answer my question. The recovery of the Topram cobra would mark a new era in the history of Cambodia. It would mean that everyone with a drop of Khmer blood in his veins would migrate back to the north. It'd mean the rebuilding of the Khmer Empire. And why would it mean that? Yeah, how come it's so doggone important? The people have been waiting for this sign ever since the downfall of the empire. The seven-headed emerald cobra vanished just before the kingdom fell. At that time, one of the great priests prophesied the end of the empire and added that the Khmer people would be as scattered sands over the earth until the cobra reappeared. So the return of the cobra king would be the fulfillment of an ancient prophecy. Well, come, what is it all about? Answer me, Captain, I... I tell you, if there's any truth in your words, we are about to witness one of the strangest transformations in a country that has ever taken place. Is it true? The French authorities are fearfully wrought up. I'm afraid it's true. Afraid? Afraid? Why, man, I'd give my life to see this thing happen. Why, they would sweep up this great valley one seething throng of humanity. 
It would be one mammoth crusade with men, women, and children turned into a maddening mass of religious frenzy. That's just exactly what the French officials fear. Why, these people would go into this wilderness and turn it into an habitable place overnight. Undoubtedly, they'd try. But think of the hundreds and thousands of these people, stirred by religious fervor, who would die miserably in that wilderness. Oh, there'll be no holding them once the news of the cobras spread about. Yeah, the French officials know that, too. Now, tell me, Doctor, what would happen if the cobra were stolen? There would be such an uprising as this world has never witnessed before. It'd make the Boxer Rebellion seem insignificant. Every foreigner in Cochin, China would be cut down without mercy. Hey, uh, is this diamond snake, or whatever you call it, worth anything? I mean, in good, round American dollars. I know an institution in London that would pay five million dollars for it. Hey. hey, Captain, did you say you know where this gold snake is? I did not, but Taquan knows. What? Taquan knows if anybody does. Good gosh, and here we've let him slip out of our hands. Well, how do you figure that, Skip? You just walk down the street to a jewelry stop to meet Professor LeBrun and Perry Mills. Yeah, but ain't he liable to make a duck for the high timber? I have implicit faith in Taquan. He won't run. He's known about it for a number of years. He was just waiting for the right time to reveal his secret. But why is the present the time to strike? Both he and Fenlow are prepared. They're well-educated. They're capable leaders. They've been groomed for this role of prophets with tremendous care by the old men. The Khmer high priests. Hey, you're just full of information. Where'd you dig it up? From the French intelligence service here in Saigon. They've been watching the natives for years. Still, I don't understand, Captain. Why do they want you to go into the North Country? Why don't they send one of their own spies who knows the country and the people? Every available man they have is known to the commerce priests. Hey, careful, Captain. There's a pop-eyed Hindu rug peddler standing behind you. Be on your way! <laughs> Look at him skitter. Skip, I think your Hindu was a Cambodian. Yeah, well, I'll bet he carries a knife a foot long under those rugs, whatever he is. Go on with your story, Captain. Well, as I say, Taquan's coming and the mysterious disappearance of Fen Lo have thrown the authorities into a panic. Came too unexpectedly. They're not prepared. And so they want to make you the goat. I jumped at the opportunity. Yeah, but what are we going to do after we get up there? Huh? Keep our eyes open. Keep our ears open. See what we can see. Hear what we can hear. Is that all, Captain Friday? Those were my instructions from the French authorities. Captain Friday, I think I know what you have in mind. If I'm correct in my surmise, I beg you, don't do it. I beg you to remain in Saigon. Be careful, Doctor. That little Anamite woman has passed by our table three times in the last ten minutes. Hey, you mean that cute little trick with the black umbrella? <laughs> oh, careful, Skip, careful. Hello, here comes Professor LeBrun. How did you get your precious gem, Professor? Yes, we did very well. Oh, Dr. Carter, will you go down to the Ling place, two doors the other side of the Continental Hotel terraces? You know the place. Yes, but what's the matter? Where's Taquan? Why didn't he return with you? Taquan is waiting for Dr. Carter. Waiting for me? Then I'd better hurry. Uh, excuse me, gentlemen. I'll take no longer than necessary. Well, what do you know about that? Hey, Captain, what kind of a shenanigan is this? My word, Skip. What is suspicious nature? Yeah, well, I've seen you pull some smart ones before. Are you sure you ain't along on this expedition as something besides medical advisor for Dr. Carter? Oh, come, Skip. We are all one big family now. Yeah? Professor Lebrun, just how much of Taquan's history you know? Only what he has chosen to tell me. Very lucid explanation. Thanks. But not in the least satisfactory. Oh, see here, Captain. Really, now that is most embarrassing. Listen, Professor. There must be something up, or why all this evasiveness? My dear Captain Friday, has it ever occurred to you that uh, personal information given in confidence is information not to be bellyhooed about the town? Good. That answers my question. Most gratifying, I'm sure. Aha. Uh -huh. 
Here comes Taquan himself. But he's alone. Where's Dr. Carter? Hey, things are beginning to move. Taquan, where's the doctor? I have here a message for Professor Lebrun and for Captain Friday. Message? Message from whom? You uh, will read it, sir. Yes, of course. Taquan, what does this mean? I know not what is in message. Lebrun, do you know anything about this? Not having seen it. Well, read it. Well, 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 well. It looks like uh, Dr. Carter's in an RM. Hey, what's the matter? What are you talking about? The message is from Dr. Carter. He says he's leaving immediately from Angkor Wat. The party is to follow at once in charge of Captain Friday and myself. Gone? Dr. Carter's gone? Why? My dear sir, I haven't the slightest idea. Kwan, who'd he go with? The Captain Friday was quite right. Fenlo is not dead. Oh, dear. Are you awake, Patricia? Isn't it the limit? I'm so excited I can't even close my eyes. You sleepy? Not very. It's a shame. Me rolling and tossing and sighing after bringing you over to my hotel. (laughs) Bed's nice, though, isn't it? I didn't suppose they had beds like this out in this part of the world. Wasn't it the most curious thing, the way your father just up and left us? I hope Dad's all right. It'd be terrible to have anything happen to him. That Taquan gives me a creepy feeling. I hope Captain Friday and the professor get on together. They're to be joint leaders of the party until we get to Angkor Wat. (sighs) Just think of it. Angkor. A place you read about in books. I never dreamed of actually seeing it. Cambodia. The realm of the Cobra King. (sighs) And tomorrow we leave Saigon. Tomorrow. I'm certainly glad we did our shopping this afternoon. Mm-hmm. Must be beautiful to the north. Your father was telling us. Red and purple flowers, poinsettias, rhododendrons, orange and yellow lilies, cane and coconut and bananas and bamboo, and rice and cactus and creepers. Can you imagine a country like that, Celia? Oh, go on to sleep. Huh? Oh, what'd you say, Patricia? Go on to sleep, Celia. I was just daydreaming. Oh, I'm sorry. Listen. Hmm? I left the window open. Did you hear anything? What are you talking about? Didn't you hear a noise at the window? Of course not. You're all nerves tonight, Patricia. It isn't nerves. I heard something. Well, what did it sound like? I, I don't know. Listen. don't hear anything. Just the usual night noises. Baby crying, that sort of thing. That isn't what I mean. There, there. What was it like? Kind of... Oh, I don't know. Like like the wind or, or rustling of paper or, or something. Well, we're only one story off the street. We're liable to hear almost anything. Keep quiet. Listen. There. Patricia. It sounds like Steve's paper. Hush, Patricia. Do you know what that is? No. Patricia, there's a cobra in this room. Another? A snake? Yes. <gasps> Look there in the moonlight. <laughs> please, please don't scream. Don't put your hand over my mouth. You mustn't scream. You mustn't. Oh, what's that? Look. Watch the cobra. It's 
freezing its body. Oh. The terror of Cambodia has descended upon the Carter expedition. The cobra, emblem of the ancient Khmer civilization, has raised its head in defiance against this party of invading Americans. And it wasn't until Captain Friday, his secretary Patricia, and the reckless Skip Turner joined the expedition that trouble began. You have just heard the second chapter of The Cobra King Strikes Back, a new thriller in the series of Adventures by Morse. Next week, you will hear chapter three entitled The Mad King of Anchor, which will take you deeper and deeper into the jungles and into the sinister intrigue of French Indochina. And that's Adventures by Morse from April 28th, 1946, with the Cobra King Strikes Back. That's part two of this ten-part story. That episode is entitled Something About the Hooded Snake. This stars David Ellis. It's a great series. It's created by Carlton E. Morse. And he is uh, best known for I Love a Mystery and One Man's Family. But he also produced this series as well. So hope you're enjoying that. Let's take a break. Then it's more here on Hollywood 360. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Next week, it's Gunsmoke, Father Knows Best, The Cavalcade of America, Let George Do It, The Life of Riley, and Episode 3 of Adventures by Morse. From my team here at Hollywood 360, thank you all very much for tuning in. Stay safe. We'll see you next time.